It's Saturday morning. It's 10 o'clock. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And we are here, as usual, alive and well. And on this beautiful Saturday morning, it looks like it's going to be an even more beautiful Saturday afternoon. I like these days when it's got a little chill in the air. And then in the afternoon, that kind of goes away. And if anybody had occasion to be outside last night... in the later hours or early this morning, like if you're walking a dog, that moon last night was really something. It was a full one and a big one. It was absolutely beautiful. And my azaleas are starting to pop, and you can tell things are about to happen, which is good because we've got a golf tournament here in not too many more days. It'd be nice to have it in the 70s for the crowd and so on. But anyway, um, let's get back to business here. Uh, all you regulars, thanks for always being there. We, you know, we depend on you. We'll keep this going as long as we can with a little help from our friends. And for the people who are new, whether by accident or on purpose, then try to stick around for the whole hour. There, you know, there, there can't be a week that would be boring because the topic is money. And there's no one in the world who isn't touched by the topic. So that said... You always learn a little something. There's some very strange things that happened this week and some very normal things that happened this week. And we'll, we'll get to that as time goes on. And we will, of course, have a trivia question right after the break. And you just never know how things are going to go here. So hopefully if you want to talk about anything that we're not talking about right at the moment, pick up the phone, dial 904-222-8255. And callers always get the nod immediately on this show. It's been that way now for nine years and change as we move along into our 10th year on air. Still very hard thing to believe until I look at my grandchildren and see them now and remember what they were like in the early days. It has been a long time. It has. So that said, um, made some money again this week. Yeah. We've been able to say that once in a while lately it's kind of fun yeah not every week but it, the majority of weeks this year have been up and this was no exception it started didn't start off looking very good though nope. uh had a couple of down days after the it was a short holiday week and um the, everything was kind of pulling back in anticipation of one big release that came after the bell on wednesday and that of course was the wall street darling nvidia and A miss by them could have signaled that maybe this AI thing is overblown and the market might have gotten a little bit ahead of itself and and it it would just just not have been real great, especially for the NASDAQ. Uh, But a beat pretty much would put the stamp of approval on this recent rally you've seen in tech and uh, sort of signal that AI-driven computing is here to stay and it's, it's a real thing and it's a real rally. And they didn't just eke it out either. They did not. They really crushed it. Um, they beat almost every estimate. And, uh, well, I, I didn't bring the numbers, but I know you know what it, was their year-over-year year A year ago in, in the quarter just ended, mm-hmm. they made a profit just over $1 billion. This year in the same quarter, they made a profit just over $12 billion. Wow. That's a big difference. Yeah. If you wonder how sustainable a growth rate can be that growth rate is not sustainable 
On the other hand, the base is so high now that any growth means a very nice set of earnings. Mm-hmm. But don't I, expect another pop like that ever from anybody. This is just beyond anything I could recognize. Uh, don't say never. I think it'll definitely happen yeah. again. Um, the uh, funny thing is I've had several clients tell me there's no way that they would have bought NVIDIA this year because of what happened last year. Right. But it just goes to show you that just because a stock is up doesn't mean it can't go up more. And in fact, how many people have missed out because they've thought, oh, this is it's too high. It's same yep. thing with the housing market. Uh, you hear Angela talk about it all the time. No, we can't get in. It's too high. So we've got to wait for it to pull back. Well, you might wait forever. You it might. may never pull back to the current level again or below. Yeah. If you look at all the, the major stock pickers, which we are not, that's not our business model, but we read them like everybody else. A lot of the major stock pickers, when they're looking at something, you will see something that go, probably goes counter to what your intuition would say. I'll be interested in buying this if it goes above, not below, above a certain point. And mm-hmm. that point is usually an all-time high. At that point, it signals that the institutional buyers and so on are on the side of this stock. And that's when it could run and you could really make some money. Uh, this jumping ahead a little bit, but a very good example of that would be Japan. I'm this week. Sitting right here. Yep. Nikkei uh, 225, right there. Japan, uh, interestingly enough, hit a new all-time high this week. Uh, it was a rally of just 2% over the week. So it wasn't anything crazy, but they hit a new all-time high. That previous all-time high was set in December. Of? 1989. <laughs> <laughs> a mere 34 years in the yep. making. It took the U.S. market 25 years to recover from the Great Depression, mm-hmm. and it took Japan... 10 years longer to get over their most recent uh, – or to regain their, their all-time high from 34 years ago. Perpetuated by the absolute stupidity of government. Uh, they have structural problems as well. Yes, they um, do. Well, and, and so it wasn't just government. No. Um, but, yes, they, they have – Demographics and yes. all kinds of stuff. And lack of uh, allowing immigration. And um, they, their economy has been stagnant. For forever at yeah, this point. excessive cost for little things like housing yeah yeah lack sure. of young people because they can't afford housing and young people they're, they're just they're kind of a mess and they're in a recession and look what happened mm-hmm. incredible yeah it's pretty pretty amazing um so i just wanted to bring that up as a very good example now that they've regained an all-time high it's not a guarantee that they'll go higher but I would not be surprised to see more people jump in and say, oh, that there, there's some real possibility They're here. They're back. Yep. Um, so keep an eye out on that one. Um, we know one thing you know, over the course of all of our lives. We know one thing. They're very innovative, very intelligent, and very hardworking. That is true. And that will eventually uh, maybe yield, I guess, uh, some results. Unless you run out of young people to back yeah, up unless, the yeah. social systems and things like that. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. I think uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see more immigration allowed in, into Japan no, than historically. Would be tough seen. though. Yep. The, the, Very the strong culture. About outsiders are that, that's something that's been developed over thousands of years, and it's not going to go away right away. Nope. No. Definitely not. Uh, but I'm still happy for them. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It is. Something, at least if you're an investor over there, you maybe finally recouped your money from 1989. <laughs> um, 
the uh, the market being up wasn't the only good news this week. The other bit of good news was that all 11 sectors of the S&P were higher this week. That I haven't said in a long time. Uh, consumer staples was the highest. It was up more than 2%. Well, real estate and communication services were up just under 1%. Technology actually gained just 1.3%, and it was in the lower middle bracket of returns for all sectors. That's despite the AI conversation dominating media coverage this week. So that was surprising to me, but in a good way. I, I like I like that tech wasn't driving this rally. There was other things that were rallying along with tech. Um, this year, just two sectors are negative, real estate and utilities, while communication services is up almost 10%. But that sounds strange coming out of our mouth, doesn't it? Communications? Mm-hmm. Well. Wow. Uh, international markets, I mentioned Japan, but other markets were rallying. Mexico was the one exception. It was down over 1%. But Italy, France, and Spain all saw rallies of 3% or more. And uh, then that Japan rally of over 2% was in the group just below that. Uh, the all-world index was up 1.6%, and emerging markets were up one3 So a good week to have some international exposure in your portfolio. Yeah. And there's a little more to say and not much time to say it. So we'll go to break, come back with the trivia question, wrap up the market, and then go on to what's next. But it was interesting to me that the NASDAQ was up over 3% in one day. And that does not happen frequently. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the, if it had taken one more month, it would have been a full 24 years since it happened before. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, 23 years and 11 months later, we have a 3.1 day. All right, much more to come. Don't go anywhere. You'll miss it. We'll be right back. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And I remind everybody that the lines are open, 904-222-8255. Trivia question today brought to you as usual by Ken Bales at First Coast Alarm. You can call Ken at 904-636-7888. Let's talk about housing. One of the problems that hasn't been going away very fast due to interest rates and prices and demand and all is still very expensive to either own, buy, rent, whatever. Housing has been the major contributor to the uh, overall inflation rate, and it's very stubborn, especially locally, meaning places like Florida, Arizona, Tennessee, places where people want to live and are moving there. It's very difficult. And today we're going to talk about what it takes to um, actually buy a house. So the question, it may sound a little complicated, but it's really not. How many 40-hour weeks would you have to work at the average pay in America to put a 20% down payment on the median house in America? How many weeks of earnings would it take to put that 20% down? Don't count taxes. This is as if you got to keep everything that you get. That's a number of weeks. It's a whole number because I rounded it to one. So anybody wants to put a bracket on it, just dial 222-8255 and you can bracket it. All right, wrapping up the market, a couple of salient points that we need to discuss yet. Yeah, I wanted to just mention commodities. That was one area that didn't do as well this week. It was down 1.3% on the index. Oil dropped 2%, so that had an effect on it. Uh, surprisingly, natural gas managed a very small gain 
and didn't drop 10% this week for the first time in a while. (laughs) How could it? Uh, Agricultural commodities traded a little bit higher. Silver was off. um, Gold was up a bit. So uh, kind of mixed, but the overall was down. Fixed income was actually higher across the board, Mm -hmm. and that was due to a pretty steep rate drop on Friday. Um, Not sure what was driving that dramatic move. I was shocked when I looked at the zeros, for instance, and that – you know, they're they're the most leveraged of all the bonds, and they're up something like two and a third percent for yeah. a day. It was a big move. Yeah, um, it was a I, big move. I, it, something about ex- forward expectations mm-hmm. shifted on Friday. Um, there was also some big news on the Dow this week. It was announced that Amazon would replace Walgreens in the index. Good move. Walgreens was added in 2018 when it replaced GE. The stock subsequently dropped 67% since then. Ouch. Yeah. It's rough. Uh, but it is a bit telling that you're seeing an online retailer replace a traditional bricks-and-mortar retailer. I think look at it's, the charts. I think it's very indicative of the times we live in and consumer preferences. I, I just thought that was interesting. Do you know how many times the Dow's been changed? I don't. Uh, let's see. Do you? I do, actually. If I read the right line, <laughs> it has been around for 120 years mm-hmm. and it has been changed. And by changed, it means not getting bigger, or smaller, which it, it did grow up a little bit. But in the in the 120 years of the Dow index, they have substituted a company for another one 60 times. Hmm. That's not a lot. It isn't a lot. Years. No. When, you, when you look at back in those days when the big companies were the buggy whip company and Things like that. It, look how the world has evolved. Sixty changes is not very much. It really isn't. Although, if you do look, go back thirty, fifty years and look at the companies in there, you will see that they're quite different than the companies today. So it's enough yeah. that you will you will see different different companies over the years. Yeah, and some companies have been in and out more than once, like GM. Mm-hmm. I but, guess they're they're a component today. I think. They've been through some bad times. For sure. Uh, so it, it is a, it's not a great index in my no. opinion, but it is the one that everyone looks at and kind of goes by. Um, I personally would rather see the S&P replace it exactly. um, as the premier index, but that's not up to me. No. And for those people who own the diamonds, the, the uh, actual representation of the Dow, you're probably going to have a little more fun this year than last year, based on expectations for Amazon. Yeah, that's true. The uh, the Dow has lagged, but it also was down a lot less in 2022. So true. there there is that. Um, lastly, with Nvidia releasing earnings this week, that sort of marks the unofficial end of earnings season. It used to be Walmart the day before, but Nvidia has gotten so big that you can't ignore them anymore. <laughs> and and there's the you day see after the CEO's Walmart. net worth. I did not change. I won't get this number right, but it was something like $168 billion he made on Thursday. Wow. <laughs> That's I, I ludicrous. Could, I could I could live on that. Uh, um, do, do what Bezos did, move to Florida and sell. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, earning season pretty much done for the fourth quarter of 2023, and 71% of companies beat their earning forecasts and 64% beat on revenue forecasts. Those are both numbers that are well above historical averages. Um, so all in all, a very good earnings season. Um, the one 
sort of uh, asterisk on that would be forward guidance. Uh, there was a significant amount more of companies that lowered forward guidance than raised. And that is mildly concerning that so many companies are are sort of downbeat about 2024. Now, is that real or not? Because as we've been saying, it's really tough to predict anything right now. But when you're seeing a significant percentage uh, towards negative revisions that, you know, one or two, maybe it's uh, off. But when you're seeing like six, seven percent higher, that's uh, significant. So, yeah, something uh, to keep an eye on. The regulation FD, the SEC, it, it it really precludes a CEO from being exuberant, whether it's rational or not. And they will they will really come down on these people if they they sort of goad people into thinking, oh, this stock is definitely a buy based on what they think is going to happen next year, or next week, or next month. So they're very cautious. Yeah, but you don't see numbers that high nope. every quarter. You see a lot of quarters where it's flat or slightly up, and yep. this one was overwhelmingly so, negative. So it's it's. I think it's significant. I, I do think that companies see some turmoil ahead. It's worth a look, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not always right, and things change quickly. Um, uh, I mean, they've been... Experts have been predicting a recession for three years now. That hasn't really materialized. And they will eventually be right. Yeah, someday. You know, they call economics the dismal science. And say the economists correctly predicted 12 out of the last five recessions. Mm -hmm. And by God, when they do, those, the economists and the newsletter writers, when they do, they're going to let you know about it. For sure. Mm -hmm. Harry Dent still says crash of a lifetime, 2024. Also 2023, 2022, 2021, on and on and on. I tell people all the time, Google Harry Dent market crash and put in any year you want to put in and all the stories will pop up. But don't take this stuff too seriously. You'd be far better off taking your advice from this radio show that says don't do stupid things. Like get out completely unless there's something that happened. We'll see. There's, you know, there's so much going on. But also remember, it's a presidential election year, and they have historically been good for the market. And it's kind of similar to what we are just talking about in Japan, actually. The market in Japan is looking down the road. They're in a current recession. You wouldn't think the market would break the old records in that recession. But they know they're not going to be in a recession for that much longer, so they're banking on something that's maybe six to 12 months out there, averaging maybe nine months. It is no different here. Our market is looking forward, saying something's going to happen. And the only situation that I see that's intolerable is the status quo. So in this case, the market hates uncertainty. But in this kind of case, when they look forward, that uncertainty is actually playing as a positive. Yeah, maybe. you you gotta, you got to have some explanation for what would otherwise be a, a rerun of the old Greenspan line, the irrational exuberance. And, of course, the, the comparisons are all going back to the dot-com crash and all that. Adam, we're talking about that for the show. And that is virtually 100% irrelevant today. It will, that timing was totally different than anything anyone had ever seen with the invention of 
Everybody's got the internet. Everybody's an investor at home, thanks to Schwab, things like that. And the humongous amount of venture capital that was being thrown at these dot-coms that never made any money. The difference between today's NASDAQ and the NASDAQ of 2000 when it crashed is that the NASDAQ earnings now are spectacular. Yep. You also have to remember that uh, stock market earnings for the last three or four years have not been very good. It feels like they've been really good, but in reality, if you look at a three-year um, average of most portfolios, you're, you're looking in the 2 to 5% range. That is not the historical nope. average. So, is there room to run? I think there I is. I think there is. We got to go take a break for a minute. We'll be right back. Don't miss anything. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. Once again, lines are open 904 222 8255. And the trivia question stands How many weeks would the average worker have to work to buy the average house in America by putting 20% down? And that does not include taxes. It's simply a whole number fairly good size whole number but still just a whole number all right um a couple weeks ago and i think we talked about it last week alert reader listener named tim asked us asked us a question through an email and it is a very good question and a very interesting look this is why does social security discriminate against people who are a little older and still working by cutting the benefits that are paid out and tacking them on to the end of their lives, basically. It takes a long time to get it back. And it, there is reason why that happened. They, they really wanted to pay out as little as humanly possible. They don't want everybody taking their early benefits, partly because because it starts to drain the system earlier, but also because if you look at the more altruistic uh, aspects of Social Security, we would rather see people stick around and maximize their benefits at least to full retirement age because when you go out early, it's cut for the rest of your life and it can impact your spouse very, very poorly too. So there are some incentives. Well, personally... I have a problem with anything or anybody that discourages older people from working. Now, that might be, you know, the old expression, where you stand depends on where you sit. I um, I stand in the arena of 70-plus-year-old people who are still working and intend to for quite some time, as long as the uh, health stays I'm able, I guess, and the brain stays a little bit quick-witted. I would like to be around for a long time, and so would a lot of other people. So I'm I'm a little bit unusual in in that regard, but I'm just one of the problems. There's a lot of problems. Well, there's a bill moving through Congress now, coming out of the conference board, and it has some recommendations. Who'd have thought? Back in 1983, when Reagan changed the system and we raised the full retirement age from 65 to 67 for people who were basically infants at that point, I use that term loosely a little bit, but my particular uh, increase in retirement age would be at um, 66 from 65 and now it's still being phased into 67. 
So a lot of us had a lot of time to prep for it, save for it, understand it. And let's face it, as time goes on, people are living longer through medicine and nutrition and so on and so forth. So one of the, one of the proposals for saving Social Security has another increase of uh, full retirement age for people in the future. And the current one, I've seen some at 70, but the current one's looking at age 69, and it would be implemented over time just like it was before. I'm like, no problem with that. But who, who'd have guessed that in 1933, when the, the uh, system is set to run out of trust fund, and I know you use trust fund loosely, but it's still a credit on the books of the federal government. When that goes away, everybody in Social Security now and in the future would theoretically get a 23% haircut on their monthly benefits. Well, 2034 seemed like forever, 2033 seemed like forever away. But all of a sudden, you look at the calendar today, and a decade from today, 2033 will already have been and gone. And that means we'll either be getting less or it meant that in the nine years leading up to that year, we did something about it. So they're looking at several things. And one of them, and this is why it caught my eye because of the discussion we had with Tim, one of them recommends removing work disincentives for retirees. I thought, well, gee, what a crazy idea. <laughs> what we've been saying for how long? Yeah, that one makes no sense to me. Who would punish older people for wanting to work as they get older? It keeps them sharper. It saves the retirement funds. It adds value and meaning to their lives. You get to meet people, get out of the house. There's just every, every number of reasons that you can think of to encourage older people to work. And I didn't even get into the replacement labor pool, which is young and not nearly as educated and, and you know, knows the ways of the world and does things like show up on time and leave on time, little things like that. So I, w- I was very happy to be able to report that this is going on actively in Congress right now, and you might well see that phased out. And I think the idea in Congress now is that this is becoming kind of a firestorm. You know, that they, can, they can see nine years down the road just like everybody else can, and a few of them are willing to do something about it. So then I, that, that got me into doing some other stuff looking around and there are a a lot of changes that have been made so far in retirement plans and retirement planning and much of that was stimulated by COVID-19. Your thoughts on COVID-19 and mine may differ I don't know I personally think they did it on purpose but that's not what I'm here to talk about today but it resulted in the CARES Act and resulted in SECURE Act 1.0 and then later by the SECURE Act 2.0. So there have been some changes, and a lot of them were good. Some are a little bit mixed, but there's some catches in there, too, that you might want to know about. So I was looking at various things and how, how the changes recently can be applied to your benefit, 
and in the future. And I already mentioned the uh, retirement age going from 65 to 67. If you're collecting right now, you don't have to worry about it going any higher than that. That's not how you implement these things. You do it for people who are nowhere near retirement age yet and phase it in. So that one's a done deal. As far as I'm concerned, it will not happen. The other done deal, and Adam and I talk about this a lot on air, we do not think that there is an elected official in this country who will allow that 23% haircut to take place. The only thing quicker than being unelected if you allow people to get their benefits cut would be to try to cut their benefits. Oh, forget it. You, you would be gone. I, maybe tarred and feathered. I, yeah, it, but you can't. It, it, it works against itself because you're not supposed to talk about it, but you're supposed to do it. Now, this is a tough position for any elected official, I think, and that's really not what I'm here to talk about today either, just the necessity of getting it done. So let's say we further raise the full retirement age. Okay, that's a good step. There, there are many more, but let's see what's already happened. In Secure 1 and 2, the required minimum distribution age, RMD age, it was raised from its inexplicable 70 and a half. Somebody, you can see the smoky room that developed that one. Again, just people slapping each other around 70, no, 71, whatever. 70 and a half? Such a weird rule. And very difficult to administer. Well, good. They changed it to 72, even. And then subsequently, even further from 2.0 to 73. I missed the cut on that one, darn it. But then there'll be another increase in what, 10 years, I think, they're phased in. So younger people like Adam will be able to go even longer. And all that means is that you don't have to do it until then. It doesn't mean you can't do it. If you're 59 and a half and want money out of your IRA, go ahead and take it. You'll be taxed, but you will not be penalized. So a lot of people are living on other things, and a lot of people are working, and they don't really need it yet, so they don't want to take it yet because that makes it taxable to them. So already we're up to 73, and that's a good thing. So another thing that was happening, as one turns 70 and a half under the old rules, you could no longer contribute to your IRA. I always wondered why that stupid rule was in place, too. It's, to me, it's the same thing as asking them not to work. You can't work and you can't save? Mm -hmm. Really, people? you got to be crazy. Which is funny because they made an exception for 401Ks. We're going to the phones for a moment. Good morning, Marshall. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Well, I thought I would try a shot at the uh, at the trivia. Good. About 52 weeks. Um, that's a pretty good guess, but it's low, unfortunately. Ah, okay. I would hope well, it wouldn't be, thought, but it is. Another thought I had that was very interesting. What if the taxes that are collected on Social Security income was directly put into the trust fund? Uh, it is. The trust fund is funded three ways. Okay. Payroll taxes, the mandatory FICA withholding goes directly into the fund. It also, all of the income tax that is applied 
because of benefits is also credited to the fund. Good. And the third one, you know, most people don't know these things. The third one is once in a while Congress makes a change to the plan. For instance, when they added disability to it, then they actuarially will say the fund is now short this amount of money of being able to do that, and then they will make a lump sum contribution to the Social Security plan to do exactly that. So those are the three routine sources of funding for Social Security right now. And you hear the music playing. Can I put you on hold and pick this up right after the break? Uh, I'll listen. I'll listen on the air. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right, well, you'll, you'll learn a couple things that you didn't know on every show. This one's no exception, obviously. We'll be right back. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And we've been talking, by the way, the lines are open, 904-222-8255. And caller Marshall um, took an estimate of 52 weeks it would take at average pay to put the money down on a median house, and he's too low. So now you have a little more of a bracket. And that's that's gross pay. So an entire that's year gross, yeah. of gross salary, no taxes, no spending on yep. on goods and housing and services. Yep. I want to follow up with his comments on Social Security. Any system that has a problem like that has two sides, income and outflow. And the um, outflows are have not always been you know the early years of the system that uh, the inflows intentionally took in more than the outflows paid out that was calculated and it worked for quite some time until 2010 and now it's somewhere around 150 billion dollars i think that it's going to pay out in excess of what comes in now so you got to work on both sides i said earlier raising the age that will probably help the, on the outflow side but we've got to get new inflows and it's it's a wonderful idea that we send the tax paid on social security benefits to the system but it's already being done very quietly so what's going to happen in my book because it has to i think 100 percent of social security benefits will be taxed before too long i think adam agrees with me there most people currently at 85 percent yeah and then you look at the the big thing now, which is, I think it's capped this year at 168000 You don't pay into the Social Security system when you earn above that. So they, what they want to do now is restart your FICA deduction at 250000 and freeze it there as, as a statutory number that won't rise with inflation. So that as that 68 very quickly heads up to two they they're basically going to eliminate the cap on earnings for putting money into the system. And that's just another way in which the idiots want to tax the rich and think it's going to solve everything. But they do need revenue. And one of the reasons that they're considering lifting the penalty on older people working is that when more people are working, you get more revenue in the system. Duh. They also want to include state and local employees that are not currently paying into the federal system. They want to include everybody in Social Security. I really don't have an analysis of that. Right off the top of my head, it seems logical. No state wants a pension plan either. No. I I don't see the point of not having them do it. I think it should be uniform across the U.S. I don't 
I don't think these exceptions that have existed in the past really make sense anymore. So I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah. There are things that we can do, but we have to be able to talk about them as a country. And that now is having some problems. So we definitely need to figure out some sources of revenue. Anyway, back, back to people working in their later years. There are more things that have been uh, changed here. I, I think I mentioned right at, toward the end of that discussion that people who were 70 and a half could no longer contribute to the plan. That's, that's now not true. As long as you have, you have earned income, either through your work or a current spouse's work, you can contribute to the plan, to the IRA, if you want to, and that goes for either Roth or regular. That's a good thing. So once in a while you come across some people like me who both pay in and pull out, because I'm required to now, from the same plan and the same account. Well, it's not a real problem. No. Not at all. You just do it. And that way you get some taxable income, but you also get a tax deduction if you're fortunate enough to be able to. So that has changed for the better. Now let's talk about charitable contributions. We talk about this especially later in the year, in every given year. The QCD, the Qualified Charitable Distribution, came about because of the tax law changes in 2017 that took place in 2018. And under the TCJA, the... um, standard deduction was raised rather dramatically and the hope was that a lot of people who were previously itemizing would not do so anymore well that part worked a whole bunch of people don't itemize anymore in fact it it's kind of unusual when we meet someone who does yeah and even some people who could don't yeah you get an extra five hundred thousand deduction and you have to go through all that with your taxes it's a lot of work. It is. Um, a lot of record keeping. Yeah. And, and especially with donations, like yeah. they want you to take pictures and itemize and get real values. And it's just, it can really be a lot of work and it's not necessarily worth your time. I consider that system an improvement. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, fairly substantial. But what happened then? There was a fear among charities that, oh, if people aren't going to get a direct deduction for their donation, donations are going to dry up. That's exactly what they said about Reagan when he cut the top rate from whatever 70 or whatever to 28. Guess what? Contributions went up because deep down inside, Americans are very charitable people. Mm-hmm. The more money they have in their pocket, the more likely they're going to give money to a charity. So the same thinking has always been around, but somebody actually did something about it this time. They invented the QCD. And under the QCD, someone who's 70 and a half is able to write a check from the IRA to the charity directly. Can't pass through your hands, can't have your name on it. The, your custodian writes a check, and then all you have to do is make sure it gets there and they send you a receipt for it, you know, thank you for your donation, whatever. That does not then show up on your income tax form. It's not taxable, it's not deductible, it's just not important. And that that has been a real godsend for some people, but there are some catches in that. As the, uh, the required minimum age went up from 70 and a half to 72 and then 73 and in the future beyond that, they still allow the QCD if you're 70 and a half. Not until, but they do allow it. There's a catch. 
someone like me who is of that age and is still working and contributing, you have to take all of your over age 70 and a half contributions into account as you're going to pay out a QCD. So let's say you put in $7,000 three times, just 21000 Now you want to do a $10,000 qualified charitable distribution. None of it is qualified because you've got $21,000 you got to use up before that. So you do two of them, you're still only at $20,000. Then if you contribute again, you're up to another $8,000. So you have to make sure that you have paid out money that is actually going to be qualified and that's up to you and your, your advisor to figure out. There are some fixes for it. In my case, I'm married, and my wife has a, an IRA, and we're both of that age. So we simply write the QCDs out of her account because every individual is an individual when it comes to IRAs. Other than that, I would not be allowed to do this, and that's something that almost no one knows. Uh, there's another thing they did recently, and that, that involves retirement annuities. We have complained for years that why would you buy an annuity in a qualified retirement account? And there's, a, there's two schools of thought on that, and in fact, they're so, so um, ingrained in people that an annuity is an annuity and it lasts forever, that there are actually more annuities purchased inside of IRAs than outside. And I'm not sure how many people know that either. So what happens when you get to the point in an annuity where you annuitize it? That simply means you turn that lump sum into a series of payments over time. Well, in the case of an IRA annuity, those satisfy your RMD. And strangely enough, they're usually more than you need because the basis of an annuity says, we're going to pay you out a number that's bigger than four yeah, we made it up, but we're going to say maybe at 6 or 8% forever and ever. And what happens then? You get that check, and it's more because of the, in the early years of a, a retirement and RMDs, that the number is going to be 3 4 5%, and most annuity payments are bigger, and therefore that gets lost. Well, there's been a technical correction. It's no longer lost. So if somebody has an IRA annuity as well as a traditional IRA, stocks and bonds and such, 